Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Health Connect South Radio. Now here's your host, C.W. Hall. Good morning, everyone. It is C.W., your host here on the Health Connect South Radio show, 66th episode. Wow. And I just learned the last one in this studio. Is that right? <laughs> if all I goes got, well, yes. Okay. So moving up to the penthouse. Right? I'll have to have Krista record a new intro to say broadcasting live from Buckhead. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. This is Jay Schaefer with Health Connect South. And we're looking forward to everybody signing up for the September 21st event at the Georgia Aquarium. So go to the healthconnectsouth.com website. And for our loyal listeners, use the coupon code Radio X to get a discount off your ticket. And we highly encourage you to do that. If you want to come and meet the people in healthcare, uh, they're going to be there at the aquarium. Folks of all types from academia, from healthcare systems, from places that, that touch healthcare uh, where you wouldn't even anticipate. I remember the first episode or the first uh, event that I went to, what, three years ago, mm-hmm. UPS was there. I'm like, right. UPS? Well, they have 6 million square feet of storage and handling for medical devices that's right. Maybe federally we'll get to that. Re- regulated. MC, right. Maybe MCCI. We'll talk about that. But they do the drugs. You can't just put drugs and have somebody deliver them. So the guy in the brown truck, there has to be special regulations for that. So Absolutely. UPS was there. Also, a lot of startups will be there, which is near and dear to me. But it's just there's so much, so much innovation going on in the healthcare space. And this year, they're going to talk about the top disease states and how partnerships in the Southeast, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, how their companies are working together to attack these top disease states. It'll be a great program. And today we have with us in the studio, Dr. Virginia Clark of uh, Medical Care Consortium Incorporated, or MCCI. She is the medical director for Georgia for MCCI, and I'm really pleased to have you with us. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Talk about your own background, Virginia, and then introduce us to MCCI, what we're all about. Sure. I'm an internist, an internal medicine physician, and um, I graduated from Morehouse School of Medicine, did my residency at Rush Presbyterian St. Luke in the Chicago area, and that's where I practice in the Chicago area. And kind of made my transition to the administrative side. So I worked with a number of health plans and recently uh, joined MCCI a little over a year ago as a medical director, really working with providers to move them from um, our current model as a volume-based model of health care to a, a value-based or quality-based. And just been very excited about that role. And when you talk about volume-based versus value-based, what you mean is the more procedures I, I do or more patients I see, the more money I make. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of how it's been. That, that's that's how it's been. And it has been, it's a paradigm shift. It's a change. Now, it's really focused on treating disease rather than treating for wellness. It's, it's very... And outcomes. It's very problem-focused. So typically, patient comes in complaining of a, a, a particular condition or illness, and it's very problem-focused opposed to looking at the patient in a very holistic way. So when you're talking about quality, it's um, also addressing prevention and looking at chronic conditions and making sure um, they're screened for the end-stage manifestations, like with diabetes, for example, long-term manifestations can be chronic kidney disease, um, eye disease, uh, neuropathy, and so screening for those things and trying to prevent. 
And I know that going along with those things, as you monitor for those chronic disease states, for example, you have to, you can't just show your screening for them. You have to actually see some trend lines that, that indicate that it's a good thing the patient is in your care. Their, their, their A1Cs are going down. Their <laughs> exactly, blood pressure is exactly, improving. Exactly, exactly. And um, that the patient is actually the biggest barrier is getting the patient to come. Right. Um, and, uh, for example, uh, we mainly partner with Humana and work with their uh, Medicare Advantage or their, their um, senior population. Many of those patients have significant socioeconomic challenges. Uh, maybe transportation is an issue. And for, the, for those that are healthy, they don't see the value sometimes in seeing the doctor more than once a year. I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so then the challenge is to motivate all of those different types of patients um, to see their patients, to be screened um, for these chronic conditions before they actually surface. And um, so that's a big part of, of our role. And, and we work with practices, um, primarily uh, primary care physicians, uh, family practitioners, internists, who um, from one solo practitioners all the way to the large um, groups. And so each practice is unique in what they need in order to close these gaps. And um, some of them, it's just we have our proprietary reporting tools that can show them those trends and those gaps in the patients who haven't had certain services and and where they are and where they need to be. And um, and the larger practices have the resources to reach out. They just need the, the tools and the reports. The smaller practices may actually need resources. So we actually have a team that actually would go to the office and um, and make calls and review charts and try to uh, figure out what those gaps are. Talking with Dr. Regina Clark, Medical Director for the Georgia Sites for Medical Care Consortium Incorporated, or MCCI. And I'm, on my afternoon show with the Top Docs Radio, I've been in partnership with the Medical Association of Georgia for a couple of years on mm-hmm. that program. And one of the topics that we've been focusing on, and in fact, this afternoon, we're going to get more into MACRA and, and mm-hmm. the changes that have come about with regards to Medicare reimbursement and um, talking about that value-based uh, plan transition that we're in now that can affect how much I'm reimbursed Absolutely. for the care I provide. They look back over my past year or two, and then now that affects my rates for next year. And you can go up or down. Yes. And there is um, the AMA, um, the American College of Physicians, and other organizations are still working with CMS and pushing back around the timeline. But as it was rolled out in April, uh, the timeline is that this is actually the reimbursement change is supposed to happen in 2019. Looking at data starting in 2017, right. <laughs> exactly right. Um, and, 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 you know, quite honestly, some of the pushback we get from the physicians is it's not set in stone. So there could be some changes within that program. Um, But I think, and I'm optimistic that whatever changes are made are going to be to the physician's advantage. And one of the biggest concerns from uh, the the AMA and the American College of Physicians and others are the smaller groups. The the larger practices many times have the resources and infrastructure to try to to, to meet those standards. But a lot of You mean like a compliance type officer or somebody like that? Yes. It could just be like one of our large practices has a call center. Mm-hmm. You know, they have developed a call center that is staffed to do a lot of the outreach to the patients that are not 
um, showing up and that, you know, to manage that population, because a big part of MACRA is the population health, um, which it looks at your diabetes, your CHF, your coronary artery disease, and making sure those people follow up timely um, and, and getting them in to see um, their primary care physicians and get those preventive mm-hmm. or quality um, uh, measures done. So the big thing, a lot of times the smaller practices don't have that infrastructure. But that's one of the things at MCCI, we can support them, um, loan them resources. We don't, no one that works for anyone, um, a practice full time, but they may spend a few hours a week, a few hours a month to try to close some of those gaps. So it's sort of like a consulting relationship sort of Absolutely. or an outsourced expert type relationship? Yes, from resources to education. A big part of my role actually is um, around the documentation and coding. Back to the volume-based um, relationships. First of all, most physicians have not been trained to, for coding. We, we didn't get that. Yep. You know, the newer physicians, I mean, medical schools are stepping up and, and the newer physicians that are graduating are getting more exposure. Um, but um, but most seasoned physicians did not get that training. They learned, they picked it up on on, on the way, and um, the ENM coding they picked up on because that's how they you get paid. Mm-hmm. The procedure codes in a volume based environment. When as you move to quality, the diagnosis makes a big difference, and there's been a big challenge in. The coding, as a matter of fact, in Georgia, when you look at uh, us compared to national averages, there's a tendency to significantly undercode. So that means when they send a claim off, our patients don't look so sick. Now, we do have sick patients. You know, if you look at national averages for just about any chronic condition, diabetes, Mm -hmm. CHF, a lot of times we're in the top you know, quartile, mm-hmm. excuse me, the bottom quartile as far as outcomes. And so we know we have sick patients. We know that the, those patients are getting care, good mm-hmm. care. Right. All right. So the care is not really the issue, but there's, we, we misrepresent or underreport right. um, the quality, uh, uh, the, the severity of illness of our patients. So that's going to be very important as back to MACRA to effectively population manage your patients, they have to be appropriately diagnosed and and um, and, and code. code. When mm-hmm. you talk about the coding, is that ICD-10 or is there more involved than that? Yeah, it's ICD-10. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a big deal last year, as you can imagine, with, October, with, with the transition from mm-hmm. 9 to 10. And I will tell you, overall, that transition has gone very smoothly. We've had a number of physicians that have said it, it didn't turn out to be a big deal. I, I will admit that the EMR... Um, and, and different providers are using different systems, but overall the EMR systems have done a pretty good job of supporting that transition. We still have a handful of providers who are still on paper and we're still <laughs> pushing. <laughs> I think it's interesting that we're undercoding now and doing so really not reflecting what's going on with the patient. So so often in the past, the the opposite was the problem. We mm-hmm, were mm-hmm. we were upcoding. We were increasing yes. the uh, acuity. I say we, mm-hmm. meaning you know, when it wasn't be- being done exactly as it should be, that tended to be the mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. But now I guess we really have to indicate if this patient is is dealing with some significant illnesses that mm-hmm. we truly get them indicated mm-hmm. because it can really have a big mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. as to mm-hmm. what whether that patient is viewed as making progress or are are you doing things for them that you should be doing mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm, or not? Mm-hmm. And, and a good example, um, and, and I use this when I'm providing training, I, I kind of harp on diabetes a lot, but 
many Medicare senior patients have had diabetes um, type two, uh, which type two by definition by definition means they don't necessarily require insulin, but some of them end up having to um, use insulin, and many of them have had um, diabetes for a number of years, and where they do, they are at risk for some of those long term manifestations. But many of the docs, we, physicians that we work with, still tend to code type 2 diabetes without any complications. For example, where they clearly have some of the chronic kidney disease and neuropathy and other manifestations. And it's a, and it's a matter of educating, hey, if they have these conditions, you need to code them and document and code them out. But they still may be getting the referral to the you know, the nephrologist or the ophthalmologist. So they're still getting the care. So it's not a matter of not getting the care. And in some cases, they're not, you know, so that's that's what we have. That's our role is to say, hey, this patient needs to make sure that they're getting the appropriate screening and preventive care services. And um, so they appropriately. Um, no, I was going to say, this reminds me of Matt Effington a couple of weeks ago from Chronic Care IQ. Mm-hmm, Remember, mm-hmm. he's a startup here and he's got tools mm-hmm. to help people pull up population. Mm-hmm. A measure of automation, yeah. Right. It's like red, yellow, green for your patients. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's, an, I, I'm sure MCCI has similar things. Yes. But the mm-hmm. idea of people come to Health Connect South and you can share mm-hmm. ideas, what works and what can be improved on. What, what we've seen is a lot of the EMRs do have some type of reporting capability. And in an ideal, in, in my opinion, an ideal situation, the physician has their EMR and they can pull, you know, these kinds of reports looking at patients who haven't had certain screening yep. tests and all that for their entire population. Um, but what we have found... <laughs> is the practice actually has that full capability, but no one uses it, um, or there's an additional fee by the by the uh, EMR vendor. For, for reporting? For that or capability. For querying? For, the, for that capability to do yeah. it. You know, it's, interesting. It, you know, so it's interesting. We, we'll we'll um, work with a provider that's using the same, quote, EMR system. Yeah. And this provider would say, hey, you know, my EMR does this, that, and mm-hmm. other we mistakenly would say, well, we know this EMR can do this, that, and the other, and, and another next provider would say, no, I, I didn't pay for that. Oh. <laughs> and so there are apples and oranges even within the same so system. So they'd have to manually get in and do some of that data mining. I mean, for, I mean, um, I mean, I'm just talking about capabilities sure, in general. Sure. Um, so yes. So most physicians don't have the time or the resources to do that data mining or can hire someone to do that for them. Mm-hmm. So we're able to do that for our, our providers. But one of the things that we frequently tell them, hey, we're, we're working with you around the Human Advantage uh, members, but what, what you learn, what we show you, you can apply across all payers. So, when, you know, think about this process. But, you know, yes, we encourage you to do this for this population, but do it for, for your entire practice. And we fully anticipate that commercial payers are going to be co- coming down this same line eventually. So you'd be well positioned to be successful when that happens. Now, the relationship with Humana, can you talk about that in terms of, it seems like, and without understanding more, and Mm -hmm. you can probably answer it, but it it seems as though in this particular situation, Humana being one of the ones that Mm -hmm. has that you know, the extra coverage for the Medicare mm-hmm. folks mm-hmm. that they are forward thinking to a certain extent mm-hmm. here, yes. engaging with a company like MCCI to help their patient populations have better outcomes. Yes. And and um, Humana 
kind of use, use, using us as consultants in a sense, you know, um, they don't have the resources to provide that hand on that hands on support for the primary care physicians. And they basically outsource that to us. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit earlier mm-hmm. about, you know, the um, relationship with Humana, Aetna, you know, that's that's out there, mm-hmm. a potential um, merger. And that was a, one of the MCCI actually was one of the big pluses for Humana from an Aetna perspective. Aetna um, has been strong around the large group employer-based mm-hmm. um, health plans and uh, Humana Strength has been more individual, mm-hmm. commercial, and Medicare. Aetna does some Medicare, that being said. Some, and so, you know, they saw um, the Humana's model as a strength from their Medicare perspective. Have they been able to demonstrate some trend lines among their patient groups since they begun doing this kind of work with you? Who the, to Humana with their patients that are that you're helping to? Oh, yes. Okay. So absolutely. We've seen significant improvement in the document. We've been, first of all, MCCI has been in the Atlanta market for about three years. MCCI is over 18 years old, started in South Florida, and um, now is also in North Florida and in, in the Texas market. And I think they've been in Texas over five years, for example. So we're actually the baby when it comes to markets. We were significantly underperforming from a documentation and coding perspective. Obviously, three years ago, we've made significant improvement amongst, amongst you know, overall the market. We do have certain physicians or providers or practices that have not moved. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then we have to have those tough discussions about, you know, what, what are the barriers, you know? Um, and some of them, quite honestly, are not embracing the change. Act like it's going to get pushed back, you know, because I know over the time that since the Affordable Care Act began to be implemented, there have been facets of it, obviously, mm-hmm. like the employer mandate, for example, mm-hmm. different parts of the law that have been delayed, mm-hmm. pushed back once, twice, sometimes more. And I I know that there is some probably measure of, of just they're probably going to push it back mm-hmm. again. It's not yeah. really going to come, to, but it is. It's in the mail. But we have quite a few <laughs> physicians and practices that haven't have embraced the change, and those that have embraced the change are very engaged with us and um, are always asking, "How can I do different? What can I do differently?" You know, um, and we we're able to personalize that plan by practice, you know, um, because what the barriers are in one practice are different in another practice. And, but uh, I would tell you those practices, even a solo practitioner that own their own practices, those are the most engaged for the most part. Um, we still, we work with a number of providers that are employed and, um, and employed, there's not an alignment around, many of the, uh, the employed physicians have a, 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 a incentives that are tied to the volume-based or the old model. Yeah. Right? RVUs. Yes. Yeah. They haven't actually transitioned on, in their contracts and those kinds of things to the new model. So the incentives aren't aligned. I see. So that's one of our challenges. Is And, th- and there are some that can see the big picture <laughs> and they get on board, but a, a lot of them are still like, hey, this is how I get paid. And, um, and so it's, it's harder to get their attention. You know, I can't say over time I've been in healthcare all my career, and I can't say that I've agreed with everything about the ACA, but around the population health side and around the elements around precision medicine, I believe that those were things mm-hmm. that in the end are going to save us money that are 
Oh, by the way, the patients are going to benefit (laughs) outcomes wise, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, significantly. Absolutely. I agree. What do you think as you've begun to spend time with these practices to help them make this uh, conversion over towards the value based thinking about how to approach their practice and their patient outcomes and care planning. What do you find are the, are the typical pushbacks or challenges with it? Is it just time? Is it just, what are the usual things? Time is number one. A lot of times in a volume based model, and I think it's a legitimate uh, barrier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Volume based is usually problem focused. Someone comes in with upper respiratory tract infection, UTI, Usually that's a 10 or 15 minute visit. And that's usually how the scheduling happens. In 10 to 15 minutes to address diabetes, CHF, multiple chronic conditions, document any electronic medical record, do the follow-up. Um, so I just think it's the time frame is not realistic. There's some, you know, um, each Medicare patients get an annual wellness visit, for example, and those are Uh, scheduled 30 to 45 minutes. And so that gives a little bit more time to address some of those conditions um, once a year. But if someone is not well controlled or managed, they may need to be seen more frequently than once a year for those conditions. It becomes, so the the time is a limitation. Quite honestly, patient compliance. I think there, this is a a question, a pushback I get a lot of times from physicians the system is coming up with incentives and trying to push physicians down a certain road, but the patient incentives are not aligned. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, I have recommended to this patient to I'm blue in the face to get their colorectal cancer screening, and they're just not going to get it done, and I'm going to be dinged because they didn't get it done. But it's amazing because I meet with some physicians and we talk about the colorectal, you know, all of the quality <laughs> measures. And actually, I met with a doc, uh, physician just last week. Obviously, the colonoscopy is the gold standard. There's some other um, tests that can be done. And I started to explain some of those other alternatives. And he shut me down. And he says, oh, they get it. They just get it because I say they get it. <laughs> and it's been done. <laughs> and we see that reflected in the numbers. Yeah. And then others, you know... So it sounds like it's a messaging issue. Yes. As much as anything. I, I remember one of the guests that we had uh, a while back, uh, they have a, a platform that, again, adds some measure of automation for population health management around cardiac rehab mm-hmm. after a cardiovascular event. Apparently, out of all the people in the U.S. that experience a cardiovascular event that need rehab... Only 35% actually go for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. And one of the big values of that cardiac rehab is reducing the rate of recurrence mm-hmm. by some measure. And, you know, that's part of what came out in that conversation was that many times it's, hey, you need to go to cardiac rehab. Here's a prescription for it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In terms of like you're describing the physician that you were interacting with that said, no, my patients go get it. Mm -hmm. And it's partly, I think, because that doctor said, hey, CW, you're going to go get this. We're Mm -hmm. going to schedule it. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever the case may be with their messages. That was moving analytics. That's what we were talking about Mm -hmm. when he came. I thought you were going to go the other way. We were talking about patient compliance. We had Mark O'Connor from Current Health, and they do the pills, and they make them in 
morning and evening packs and all the mm-hmm. rest of that. And he mm-hmm. says that some huge percentage of patients that the doctors say, here are the pills, they'll make you better. And they don't take them. Absolutely. And they, they're working on ways to make sure that the pills are actually dispensed. And medication uh, compliance is one of the measures that we look at, particularly for diabetes, uh, hyperlipidemia, or high cholesterol, or, and, and hypertension. So, um, and, 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 th- and there are barriers for the patients around compliance, fi- financial barriers, because the donut hole, I mean, Medicare for a long time didn't even cover medication. So I think the Part D is an excellent plan. But um, when patients reach somewhere around four or five thousand dollars in actual cost of drugs, and you know we just talked about earlier about how pharmacy costs is increasing, then they're at risk for forty to sixty percent of the cost of the drug, depending on the drug, and that becomes a a, yeah. a, a challenge uh, for some people. Um, so there is it's multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just that patients just won't go or don't want to go. Um, there, there's some, and, th- and that's one of the things in healthcare I think we have not done a great job of is uh, peeling back the onion, trying to understand the barriers to noncompliance because it's easy to say they just won't do because they don't want to do. And I think sometimes there are legitimate bad barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, so now is your, is your client, is the MCCI client, is it Humana, and you're you're just engaging with practices that are seeing Humana patients, or is there a, an engagement, if you will, with the actual practice that needs to do better in these areas around the value based okay. care and so forth? I see Humana as our partner. I see the practices that we work with and the patients as both our clients. Okay. So um, I've spent a lot of time talking about. Um, the relationship with the with the with the physicians, but we have um, case and disease managers on site um, that we are looking at at our highest risk members um, that are uh, ended up ending up in the hospital in emergency rooms. Have case managers reaching out. We have challenges with people. Many of them are very excited and they engage with the case managers, and we've had a number of success stories in that regard. And then some people who are really high risk who are not doing well, who won't engage. So we're always trying to figure out how to get them engaged. Uh, We also have an outreach coordinator. So what that person does, for example, one of the tools that we share with our providers is we run reports on patients who've never been seen in their office, who they're assigned to, because we are HMO, working mainly with HMO practices. So we can tell them who's never been seen and who hasn't been seen within the last 90 days. And we share that we have a provider relations team that part of they share a number of resources and tools with the with the uh, practices. But that's one of the reports they share. Um, And we say we come up with a plan with them how to reach out to they may have a resource that can do that. You know, no brainer. But if they don't have the resources, maybe we can get our outreach coordinator to come to your office and make calls for you to do that for you. Yeah, that's right. So the call is coming from the office. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then while we're looking at that, we're looking at, hey, have they had their diabetic eye exam? Or their, is their hemoglobin A1C? Has that been checked? Have, that, have they had the colorectal cancer screening, those quality measures? And hey, let's make sure we get all of those things done when they do, do come. Or um, they may have come to the doctor, but they still haven't had those quality <laughs> tests done. You know, so we're really drilling down at a patient level. We measure constantly what we call gaps, the quality score that we look at for the health plan side is the health is HEDIS and for um, Medicare is PQRS. They're pretty much aligned, but there 
are some slight differences. So we work with them to make sure they close the gap. And a good example of this is colorectal cancer screening. There's a test um, test that used DNA in the stool. Right. Are approved by the United States Preventive Services Task Force for colorectal cancer screening. However, they would not close the gap from a quality perspective because the DNA testing is considered unreliable. So we have to then educate the providers around these things and making sure that everything that they're doing is closing the gap. So we measure star ratings um, based on HEDIS or PQRS. Um, are you familiar with Physician Compare, the website? So for years, it's, it's the Medicare website. So for years... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Where you can look up and see treatment and the number of visits and so forth for Medicare and all of that and expenditures for Medicare that they have billed. Is that what you're talking no, about? Okay. That's, okay, um, that's, that's that's a different that's, part of the Medicare site. That's the Sunshine Act, I believe, okay. that you're referring to. Okay. What we're talking, what I'm talking about, Medicare for years has posted for skilled nursing facilities and home care agencies their star rating, and it's very provider specific, about based on you know the type of services that you'd provide, those type of providers provide. So if you had a loved one that needed a skilled nursing facility, you can go out there and actually do the rating and see what their rating is and help got help to guide you in making the decision about the best facility for you. Well, they're getting ready to do that for physicians and hospitals. Physician Compare, if you Google that, it'll take you right to mm-hmm. the Medicare website, mm-hmm. um, medicare.gov website. Yeah. And right now it's still, you know, it's mainly demographic information. But ultimately, and I believe it's going to be aligned with MACRA, I haven't heard that specifically, but that's what makes sense, is that it's going to have the PQRS quality measures, um, are you familiar with the CAP survey, Consumer Assessment of Physician Health Services survey? Um, there's a Health Outcome Survey. Those are two surveys, and that website actually provides details around uh, what those are and what those measures, uh, those particular surveys measure. The CAP survey measures basically timeliness of care, accessibility to care. You know, did you have any difficulty getting an appointment? Did you have to wait long? Um, any problems with referrals, care coordination, those kinds of things. The health outcomes is really geared towards the senior population. Does your doctor ask you about your risk of falls, urinary incontinence, physical health, mental health, and others? And these are the quality measures that physicians are going to be star rated on CMS website. You know, I think many many of us have heard about health grades and, mm-hmm. and yep, and that's more of a cus- customer service feedback. You know, I thought this doc was great or not so good, um, but this is actually looking at quality measures. Um, and uh, so that is going to be, this is a big thing that I emphasize. Actually, this gets the physician's attention when I'm out there doing training, when I'm particularly when I have someone that's not necessarily that engaged and the fact that, hey, my information can be publicly posted. At that some that point. ties into a question I was going to ask, and that is when you, I mean, if you're in a physician's office mm-hmm. every day, primary care, mm-hmm. you're going to have a line of people coming through trying mm-hmm. to sell you something for your practice, whether mm-hmm. it's an add-on for your EMR or a new EMR or whatever the case may be, not to mention the pharma folks. Clearly, the good ones, those good solutions out there will actually do something for me. They'll, they'll automate some of this so that some of my reporting is done better. And I therefore am getting credit for Mm -hmm. care that I'm providing. For example, you talked about under coding Mm -hmm. earlier. It sounds as though 
an interaction with MCCI with my practice means that I'm probably going to help move my star ratings up. I'm going to see my value-based reimbursements go up from where I am today so that therefore, yes, there is probably some measure of expense to have you as a partner with Mm -hmm. my practice to serve my Humana patients. But that means I'm probably going to be a, having more visit, more visits and their legitimate visits, and I'm going to get to document better the care I provide when they're there and get paid more for it because of that. All of that is correct, but one point of clarification, the physicians do not have to pay for our service. Oh, okay. That's why I was asking earlier who the okay. client is. Okay. From, from that perspective, it's the relationship we have with Humana. Okay, so okay. you come in on behalf of Humana. Yeah, exactly. I got you. So if okay, they're contracted, yes. I got you. That's yes. why I was asking that is, yes. okay. is who... Who pays the freight, if okay, you will, okay. for MCCI <laughs> well, to then be that there? W- that would be Humana. Okay. Okay, yes. So then absolutely. there wouldn't be any reason why it would make sense for my practice to say, I'm not interested. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just time, yeah. you know, and, I, you know, I've been in clinical practice and I know that they're racing from the moment they, they step in the door to the time they leave. And a lot of times we do offer breakfast, lunch, dinner. Whatever works for you, Doc. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a dinner meeting tonight, as a matter of fact, one-on-one. And we do it one-on-one. We are getting ready to start a series of presentations over dinner at nice restaurants, nice venues, to try to have that as an alternative. And so we're still playing with how we're going to do that because one of the nice um, the advantages of doing it one-on-one, I can share practice-specific information. I want to make sure we don't lose that in a large group, but we have mm-hmm, the, you know, the confidentiality mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. So we're still working through that. But some physicians don't like the one-on-one interaction. They rather do it in a group environment. And we're very excited because we're going to be partnering with uh, Morehouse School of Medicine and offering uh, CMEs for this. So we okay. think that's going to be a big uh, motiva- motivator for some providers too. So. Did you have a question? No, no. I was just going to say, I'm typing my notes here. It seems like a no-brainer when for a doctor, if you're yeah. an individual, a solo practitioner, or a large group, you've got somebody on, looking over your shoulder to help you while you're focused on the patient look at your overall practice. So uh, that's what I was, that was the look on my face, CW. I was like, type my notes here. Oh, well, a light bulb went off is what you saw. <laughs> that now it makes sense in how MCCI's business model works. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have some final thoughts before I let you get back? I know we've kept you here in the studio for a little bit and you've got a full day yet. Um, I think, well, first of all, thanks for the opportunity. And I think we've kind of addressed this, but, you know, I want, I want to just kind of emphasize what does a successful partnership with the, with the primary care practices looks like. And, and for us, and I think this kind of gets lost in the transition translation when we are meeting with providers. I mean, I'm so excited that you guys kind of got it, but it is for them to be successful in the long run. I've, I've been here over a year and we had other um, medical directors that have been in the market for the last three years. And at the end of the day, we want good quality of care for our patients. We want to be uh, fiscally responsible and we think those are not mutually exclusive right, right. <laughs> where some people think it is. And and so really showing the physicians, um, you know, how to get there. And it's very, very exciting for us when we have a true partner um, who gets it and who are actively engaged in that process. Right. And Health Connect South, there's two <laughs> questions we always ask. What do you do, which you've told us the last uh, <laughs> half hour or so? And then what do you need? What if some, your ideal customer or partner is going to walk in the door, what would that look like? Well, if I 
would where to get I would say more resources. You know, we always could, you know, use more resources to go out there and do the things that we do. To, I mean the case managers and case like managers, that, the provider outreach. relations, the outreach. I mean the provider relations, they're the ones, you know, I meet with the providers roughly the larger groups accordingly, the smaller ones once a year. Um, the provider relations are the ones out there every month. Now, are you actively seeking these people now? We um, are positioned for some growth. And so we are um, in the process of finalizing that, I would say. Okay. And uh, potentially by the end of the year, beginning of next year, um, we will be. Where do folks go to get more information about MCCI? Um, they can go to our website, mccigroup.com. And locally, um, they can call our local office at 770-804-9991. And, you know, I think it's a real innovative program. It it, it speaks highly for Humana to engage in this kind of a partnership. I think that uh, just like we're trying to engage our patients on a higher level to get them, as you talked about earlier, to more compliant with the things that we know will lead to those better outcomes. Um, similarly, you can't just say these are new requirements, these are new changes in how you're going to get reimbursed and then just kind of think that that's mm-hmm. good and it's just going to stimulate everybody to make the changes that they need absolutely, to make. Absolutely. So being able to partner with a physician-owned group such as yourself, where it's going to be doctors along with other experts in these areas of value-based reimbursement that would be coming into my practice to help me understand how to approach it, even providing extra resources for me if, if I'm a small practice and I don't have a compliance officer or, you know, my my office manager is also the nurse, you know. <laughs> the biller. Um, exactly, <laughs> right. You know, so I think it's a great program. It's one that I'm very pleased that we got to have you join us in the studio. Our colleagues over at Top Right Partners referred you over, so we want to say thanks for that introduction. And I'm really happy to have you here and, and share in what you do there. If you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the Health Connect South Radio Show podcast lives. Make sure you subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device and be ready for you to listen to when it's convenient for you. We hope you turn around and share this information with your social media networks. It's real easy to just click share on LinkedIn uh, or Facebook or both, hopefully, or even Twitter. And put this out there because you might just put some information in the hands of somebody that really makes a difference for their practice in this case, or maybe a loved one uh, that might be able to share it with a practice, get them involved. So we'll say thanks in advance to all the folks that do that for us. Uh, Yeah, if you're a small physician, MCCI is a no-brainer. The second no-brainer of the day is you go to the healthconnectsouth.com website. It's the early bird discount and you can use your radio x coupon that's a no-brainer because you're going to be there (laughs) september 21st at the georgia aquarium and we look forward to seeing you there and when you get there you'll be glad you're there it's a great event it sounds like this year's uh theme and discussions are going to be i think very useful and intriguing for uh, people that come so we look forward to catching up with you i'll probably be there as well set up somewhere oh we're hoping for you have a broadcast like last year So uh, come and get your five minutes of fame and talk to me at the uh, Health Connect South (laughs) event coming up in September. So uh, Jay and Russ and Shivani, all the folks over at At Health Connect South. And Right to Market. And that's right. I was going to leave Paul out. Paul Snyder over at Right to Market, our colleagues in communications with Health Connect South. We really appreciate them as well. Dr. Clark, thanks so much for coming to talk about MCCI. I think it's a really cool program and uh, I'm pleased to have you. Thank you. 
Everybody out there, we want to say thanks so much for joining us today. We look forward to catching up with you next week. We'll see you then. 